peace, peace, peace. You are tuned into episode 34 of Hashtag You Good Man. So this is one of the interviews that I've been trying to get for like <laughs> probably since probably since I met you, what, last August. Yeah. Right? So Black be in Black Enterprise event. Yeah. 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 So it's a long time. Uh some of most of it was mostly me, uh, as far as scheduling <laughs> and what have you. But yes, we got it done, right? We got it done. Uh so so right now on the line we have Mr. Reginald Foreman. So he was born in Chicago, Illinois, uh, raised between Alabama and Florida, but now he's residing in the St. Louis area, correct? Yes, sir. So he has he has such an amazing story. I, I'm I'm not going to even get into it. I'm going to let him talk about it because even when I first met him and I and I first had the chance to engage with him, it was just what I was hearing was was amazing, right? Um, I think when I met you. First, let me go back. Let me go back. Let me go into the, to the other stuff. So by the grace of God, he became a fashion designer, an author, an empowerment speaker, CEO, mentor, and life coach. He's had at least 28 interviews, which include radio, TV, and magazine platforms. His story has been on the, the CBN 700 Club and TBN's Juice TV, um, also on the front page of the St. Louis American Business section. And he was and he was recently honored as the twenty eight one of the 2018 uh, Black Enterprise Magazine's Be Modern Man. So again, Reginald, I definitely appreciate you, appreciate you being on here, man. So I'm gonna get right to it. Like when I f and I talk about you often, right? Because uh, you <laughs> might not even, yeah, it's real. You might not even remember this. So I met Reginald down at the at the Black Enterprise Be Modern Man. Uh, we were both being honored for the works that we're doing. And I was sitting there and I was working on a presentation on toxic masculinity that I was getting ready to do for a school. And mm -hmm. so he came up. It, it, again, that was a beautiful event because it was just brothers from all around. And you just happened to be one of the brothers that came up and we just all started talking. All right, and one of, the things that you, one of the things that you said to me was, uh, you know, we were talking, I was telling you what I was doing and you was like, yo, when I was young, I wanted to, you know, I liked the arts. I liked being involved in things like that, but I couldn't because I had to survive in, in, uh... in, the, in the area where I was living at that time. Right. And so you don't want to be, you know, in, in surviving, I couldn't be the person that enjoyed dance who enjoyed art. Right, because I might get bullied. Were you in Chicago at the time? Yeah, I was in Chicago, yeah. and I, I said that you, 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 you tell everybody that you a poet or you are, uh, uh, you write poems. You'll be a punk if you ain't selling dope, playing sports, or um, you know what I mean, being a gangbanger. You, you wasn't done where I was in the Chicago project. So I, I shelf my gift. I hit it. Yeah, yeah, and so often, so many of our black boys do that. I was at a school today speaking to. Speaking to middle schoolers, always had this thing about when I speak to kids, man, it'd be rough because, you know, they, they just keep it real, right? Which is a beautiful mm -hmm. thing. They're honest. And so, you know, they might be a little rambunctious, a little hyperactive. But I saw, you know, the kids that would come up to me afterwards, you know, they really wanted somebody to, to listen to, right? Mm -hmm. They wanted somebody mm -hmm. to listen to them mm -hmm. and they wanted some advice. So they're asking me questions because during what I was when I was speaking, I mentioned, listen, you don't want to be uh, the cool kids that's chilling outside in front of the Chinese store, right? Mm -hmm. And they came up to me like, what's wrong with that? And in my mind, I'm like, wow, right? You're in sixth, mm -hmm. seventh, eighth grade, and you're asking what's wrong with that. So 
what are we doing, um, especially as black men, to let them know that that's not the life? You should you should embrace the gifts that you have because you don't want to be in your teens, in your in your in your twenties, in your thirties, still trying to figure out who you are. And in the midst of this, you're engaging in unhealthy behavior. And I and I know part of your story that we're definitely going to get into that was about uh, engaging in. In unhealthy, and unhealthy behavior. So I'm gonna let you. Um, I'm gonna let you just talk a little bit about just who you are. I mean, and I, I wanted to expound quickly on what you just said oh, uh, about them not knowing who they are, and they said, "What's wrong with that?" I mean, I was in a when I left the Chicago Projects, moved with my father. They were middle income, corporate America. My stepfather was a corporate America. My stepmother, I mean, my stepmother. My father was corporate. My stepmother used to be a Dolphins cheerleader and a model, and and they had. It was like the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I moved into yeah. a middle income. You know, he played with money. But I looked up to the drug dealers and, and the gang babies, the thugs. So who I saw is who I wanted to be them. So I would have probably said the same thing to you if you would have told me, man, why are you out here hanging with these thugs on the corner? What's wrong with that? I see them, me coming up being bullied. I'm going into my story, being bullied. So I knew that I wanted to be, if you touch me, I'm going to hurt you. I, I, mm -hmm. I took karate and boxing. I wanted to be a lethal weapon because I grew up being bullied in the Chicago Project. So I knew that they were feared, and I knew that I needed that. And all the cool girls wanted them, the, the jazzy females in the hood liked them. So it was so much to look up to them. I didn't want to be no square, be no lame, and be in corporate America and do my homework. So yeah. I understand yeah. where they come from, and that's why when I speak, I try to get the kids to let them know that you don't have to be soft to be educational, professional, even when you believe in God. Look, that's why I dress a certain way when I speak. I wear my own brand. I got, I don't wear Jordans because I ain't paying all that money for no shoes. But I wear a Puma. <laughs> yeah. I rock Pumas. I wear a certain thing so they see, like, yo, this dude is on his own business. He cool. You don't have to go to prison like I did. You don't have to. So it's a way you bring it to him. But, um, yeah, what Reginald Foreman is, is, is a uh, man of God, uh, ex-thug. Ex that's a part of my lifestyle. Um mm -hmm. I'm a brother, I'm a father, a businessman. I uh, started my own two fashion lines. I've written two books. I think we said I'm starting a toy line called Reggie the Lion. Uh, life coach, keynote speaker. God has blessed me with a lot of things. And my main message is telling people there's purpose in your pain. And that's, that's traveled with me a lot. But, yeah, what you're doing with the mental health, I went through a lot of that in an abusive household in the Chicago yeah. Project. My mother was on drugs. She ended up in prostitution for a drug problem. So I would have beef with her, and then I would have to go out and, and run from gangs and fight in the streets. So it was wow. like back and yeah, it's forth. Just trauma, back. trauma on top of trauma. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. One of the things that you said that I that I really want to hone in on is you started listing all of the things that you are, right? Mm -hmm. And I think for for so many of us, especially as black men, we get put in a box as to what we are, right? We mm -hmm. we become known for that one thing that we do. We don't see ourselves in other lights, right? Even if right, it's something, right. if, even if it's something as I'm a son, right? We're both fathers, you know, and just the somebody who likes to watch YouTube videos. And so it's important that we hone in on the various aspects of ourselves, um, because right. again, that can that can impact our mental health when we only focus on one. That's why you know the question now is: I, I heard um, Adam Silver, who's the commissioner of the NBA, he said. He wonders why, and and he wasn't saying it like he was like he was questioning, but he he was more so just saying like these NBA players have so much money. You would think that that would bring happiness, 
But again, if all they're known for is being an NBA player, right, and they don't see the value in who they are outside of that, then of course, if it's not in the NBA, it's going to be, well, you know, I'm going to go out in the street. I'm going to continue to go do these things that are unhealthy and that are maladaptive mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. that's the only way I'm seen, right? Mm -hmm. That's the only way I'm being seen. That's the only way I'm going to feel like I belong, right? Mm -hmm. if, if the gang is the one that, that says, yo, you could be down with us, it's that sense of belonging. It's that sense of that's all you, that's your identity you, at that yes, point. So there it is. There it is. You don't have an identity outside of them. And I'm, I'm, I know I look younger, but I'm 43 years old. So, but um, it, it took me a while becoming a Christian, becoming a business. And that's a whole nother thing. Being a Christian around certain religious groups, they judge you. You in there, you got to become like them. You got to walk this way, talk. That's a whole nother story. Because when I got into the Bible, I came straight out the dungeon in, in the in, uh, prison. I didn't get mm -hmm. raised in church and get taught how to speak and talk. That, no, I was in the prison when I accepted God. Knife fights, battles. So I know he's real. I didn't get spoon-fed that. So, But when I came out and, and got into a, we call it Pentecostal-type setting, you had to walk and talk and live a certain way. And that wasn't me. I still had the toothpick, still walking and talking a certain <laughs> way. And so I had to learn to get my identity out of that with a relationship with God and who I am, even with business. Reggie's successful now. He, he, he ain't the dude that was the black sheep. It was so many levels to me finding me. It was serious. Then when you become a husband, you got to be this certain way. You got to be that way. And it, it, it took a lot. Of, when I hit 40, brother, I was like, listen, I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired of trying to be all these people. Mm. And th that's what you just said. If you don't, I've been left the dudes from the hood alone because now I yeah. influenced them to go better. But in the church, now, if you ain't a part of this, God sent people where I can be. On one of my posts I put is Confession of a Christian. It's my transparency post where I messed up. I almost wanted to knock this dude out next week, last week. I saw this girl. With, I say certain things where I let people know that I struggle. I may counsel you, be the life coach and all that, but I struggle. And that's why I don't have to make it look like I'm perfect because there's so many people mm -hmm. that hold that Bible. And in business, they don't tell you you was homeless for this many years while you was doing this or you were struggling like this or you did this problem with or you struggle with pornography. I get deep with it. And so that's why the mental problem, because a person is trying to live up to an image that's not real. Facts, facts. And them so, gangsters you know, on the streets. Them gangsters on the streets. Half of them ain't tough as they say they are, especially the rappers. See, I get yeah. deep into that. They living it with math. <laughs> yeah. Man, please. Yeah, you know, listen, trust. I, listen, I got a, I got a love-hate relationship with hip-hop. The older I get, right, because I'm, I'm able to see the influence that it's had on me Right. So the pre so the presentation I did, the workshop I did with over 100 kids this morning was about colorism. Right. Light skin mm. and dark skin, because it's a boys school and they're having an issue with it. And wow. so, you know, I talk about how, listen, again, being honest, how when I was during my teenage years where, you know, I'm 35, where videos, where music videos were heavy. You wanted to watch music mm -hmm. videos. Yeah. And yeah. so I'm all I'm seeing are light skin women, light skin women, light skin women. I'm looking at dark skin girls like, nah, I'm good, I'm okay, and I'm realizing what okay, that, how that, that, yeah, 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 and how that, <laughs> yeah, yo, fact, it, it is crazy, right? It's crazy. Yeah. I showed them the, I showed them the video of, of Malcolm X's says, you know, who taught you to hate yourself? Because when you do that, when you say, you know what, listen, everybody has preferences. I, I get that. Right. When you say right. because she, right. he or she is dark skin, then that's a, a bit of self hate that you might not even be aware of. 
And then when we talk about the influence, I had one of the kids come up to me and ask me why there's a rapper, YNW Melly, who's in, in Florida right now. He he allegedly killed two, he t- killed two of his friends, right, and, and set them up and killed them, and he's in jail. And, you know, he's potentially facing the death penalty. And they came up and asked me, well, why does he have to face the death penalty, right? Why is, you know, he, he can rap... G- and again, it goes back to what's what they're being exposed to, right? Yes. And so yes. It's, yes. It's, it's so it's so important that you know we be mindful. And that's again why I talk about that love hate relationship that I have with hip hop because it is saving so many. But look at us, right? Like you, just like you, you rock the hat, you rock jeans. Yeah. When you yeah. go to these yeah. places yeah. to speak, yeah. I'm no different. Yeah. I'm like I go in there, I have some cut off yeah. shorts. I see you. you know all what the mean? Time. I'm, yeah. I'm sitting there talking to him. I'm like, oh, you thought I was going to come in in a suit. It's like, yeah, because that's how they dress. They got to wear shirts and ties. I'm like, listen, but you want to be able to put yourself in a position to where you can make your own decisions, right, and still and still make money off it if that's the path that you want to take. Um, and that's but, what, yeah, so, that's what helped ahead. me. If you see this shirt, this is my polo shirt with my, my design on it. So I'll purposely wear this in front of the kids, and, and I tell them about, I'm wearing my own brand. This is my brand. Now, I never, I don't, I hate to say this in front of a lot of professionals, I don't really own a suit. I wear a lot of blazers. I got sh- shirts and ties. I don't really wear, I, I call myself the Russell Simmons of it, like how he was. <laughs> but I afforded myself to be able to do that. But my father, because my father was so corporate American, he was teaching me. Like, because I used to, I, I, I love to fight. And he said, you can't beat the white man with these. You need, you need this. He said, they got a cage for you gorillas. And so, but he'd always tell me how to get in to fit in with a suit. And I, and I got, I was anti-suit because mm-hmm. of him. Like, well, I got to fit in. So I always knew I was going to make my own. But I, I tell him I'm so happy for our black men that is just hang, pants hanging down and thugged out that they do wear suits. Because I, I, yeah. I had said a quote to help somebody. A black man from the hood, his first suit should feel like when he first got a gun. I'm going to say that again. Yeah, I remember, yeah, I remember suit, you saying that. Should feel like when he first, because it's a power get a suit, clean suit. Can you walk in certain doors? Quick testimony. Uh, at my church next door is these big, big house, uh, new houses, five hundred thousand to a million. I went over to look at the house. I had on my brand a hoodie and a God made hat. She treated me kind of funny, but she knew mm-hmm. I was a football player, basketball player. Man, I came back that next week with a polo shirt, blazers, my uh, eyes up, my uh, what I forgot the name, my loafers on. Her, her eyes lit up. Oh, yeah, I remember you, Mr. Foreman. It's just the way I was dressed. It happens. Yeah. So sometimes yeah. you have to fit in. If you can't control the boardroom, which is who you are and how you carry it, then you got to get in where you fit in. But myself, Facts. like you said, I, I don't wear suits. I've been on yeah. a panel yeah. where I did something in New York, in Harlem. Every, all the brothers had on suit. I had on a blazer, God made shirt, hat, and Timberlands. When I opened my mouth, I shared a view. You know, they was like, oh, I was able to back that up through the grace of God when I speak and say what I've done. But that's everybody can't do that. So I applaud yeah. the young brothers wearing the suits. I applaud yeah. them getting education because you don't own nothing. You don't have the power to step in. You got to get in that door the right way. Facts. Facts. So I, I know you mentioned your, your stint in, you know, your stint in prison. And I want you Ooh. to touch on that and that experience because I, I had people messaging me like, wait, what? <laughs> like... Like yeah, got, yeah, yeah, got yeah. Let yeah. out and then taken back uh-huh. in. So, so can you touch on that? On that um, experience. I, at 19 years old, I was off the chain. It ain't no secret. I robbed the bank. Uh, when I robbed the bank, um, 
I robbed the people that was working. I, man, I was getting everything I can get out of Miami, Florida. Now, what happened on the state transcripts, they lied and said I robbed them a couple of feet from the brink, like the person wallet, then ran it, ran inside the bank. I said, a crackhead wouldn't do that. Somebody's going to send me rob them outside. But they lied on the state transcript. I robbed them when they went inside the bank. They were at work. It was one episode. I was supposed to get charged for bank robbery because it outweighed the taking their personal stuff. But because they said I robbed them outside the bank, I ended up with nine years in state, nine and a half in federal prison. Was never supposed to get that. The federal transcript mm -hmm. told the truth. So the state judge was like, what we're going to do is run our time concurrent with the federal sentence. So while I'm doing nine and a half in federal prison, the nine years in the state should have been going at one, one time. I never, I wasn't even supposed to touch state prison, which if anybody knows is worse than federal prison. So yeah. as we come back from the transit bus and it's coming back from state to go to Fed, they let all these other guys get on the bus to go to federal prison. They stopped me. They looking at the paper, said, Mr. Foreman, you got to do your state first, then your Fed. So I'm like, that's 18 and a half years. So I'm 21 years old, 18 and a half years, they separated it, running wild. First time, then, well, I did fire the gun in the bank. I, I shot the gun in the bank, but that carried from five years to the extra four years. I shot a gun in the bank. So I get there now, four years go by. I'm in the Bible. I'm getting strong. I'm this man of God. I get, I, I, old head came to get what we call older guy, Miami old head. He, he, uh, jailhouse lawyer, knew the, knew the law back and forth, filed appeal for me. Four years go by, I get back in the county jail. I'm there for my state case to figure out why they ain't running concurrent. I have to say this part. I got a letter in the federal prison saying, Mr. Foreman, your case is mute. You've exasperated your remedies. You can't file no more. You have two years to file, and I didn't file enough appeals. So they're saying you stuck with nine and a half years in the feds. And what we say on the streets, the feds is the real gangsters. So now I'm stuck with that. I remember running to my cell. Next door to me was my, it was a Puerto Rican guy. I was like my mentor, strong in the word of God. I'm yelling through the boy. Hey, man, I'm calling his name. I said, man, they just closed my case. They said, I can't file. I'm panicking. This man got quiet, spoke soft. He started laughing and praising God. So now I'm trying to look through the wall like, so what you laughing and praising God for? He said, now you're going to see the hands of God. Now you're going to see his power because you have no way else out. So now, because you're reading the Bible, part in the Red Sea, this stuff seemed like a movie. This man, I said, now I got to believe. See what happens, I tell people, whether you raised in church or nothing like that, when you got to go to God, it's to your back is against the wall, and I can't reach for nobody for no help. I had to believe. I had Either I'm going to commit suicide or I'm going to wild out and kill somebody in here. So I get back mm -hmm. in the courts, and the state judge said, Mr. Foreman, we did agree to run our time concurrent, but somehow the federal didn't agree. What we're going to do is overturn your nine-year sentence and just charge you three years for what the gun carries. Now, I was four years in. I was a year over. I could have went straight home out the courts. She, and she, he said, well, we can't let you go because the federal prison has a hold on you. They got a detainer. They come to pick you up. But now I'm excited. I'm like, I done beat the state. I'm seeing some things happen. Now, what happens is on a Monday, they take you to state prison. On Tuesday, they take you federal prison from out the county jail. They call my name on a Monday. I'm like, why are they calling me to pack up and go back to a state prison? I just got my case overturned. The saying is, why are you trying to figure it out? God is already working it out. So, all right, man, they sent me to a lower, a lower level camp. It ain't nothing like where I was before. But I'm, all I know is how I'm going to beat the federal and the state. So I'm writing my lawyer. I wrote the judge. I even wrote the prosecutor against me. Like, man, y'all got y'all time. Why am I still here? Nothing. I never got an answer. So four months go by. And for whatever reason, three is my number. I didn't push past it. Four months go by. I'm sitting in the classroom where they teach you how to open a bank account when you get out. The lady comes in from R&D, which is they receive you in to deliver you out. She comes in, Mr. Foreman, we need you down at R&D. 
as I'm walking to the door, I used to be a big brother to this little young Haitian cat when none of the uh, none of the old heads would deal with him. He was wild. But I always tell people the youth need discipline, but they need love. And I was like his big brother. As I'm walking to the door, he yells, hey, boy, today your day. Things happen when it rains. I'm like, what that mean? Is that some voodoo or something? What that be? He says, pouring down rain and it's your day. I said, all right. I go down there, the lady typing on the computer. She said, Mr. Foreman, you have immediate release. I said, okay. But in my mind, just four months ago, it was a hold on me. I said, let me ask this lady. I said, there's no detainer on me in the computer. She said, no. I said, there ain't no hold on me. I said, no. I said, I'm going to shut up and ride this out. <laughs> yeah. She take me to change the clothes. They give you the $100 when you get out of state prison. I walked to the front seat of the police car and got in the front seat. I said, yo, this feel real. Feds ain't waiting on me. She took me to the bus station and said, Mr. Foreman, have a nice life. We don't, we don't want to see you again. I'm, when the bus drove off, I jumped. Oh, my God, just beat the feds. I'm going home. I get out into Miami. I ain't had no help. Everybody was living the same way. I tell people, whether you're coming from a drug problem, abusive relationship with prison, we need accountability. I said, if I don't get help, I'm going back to prison. Because I ain't got no, ain't no hustle. I, I got a fair charge. At the age of 16, brother, my aunt and them up here in St. Louis offered me to move up here. But when I say that they that strict religious church, I was thugging. I, I said, they ain't going to let me play my rap music. I ain't going to be able to date no girls. I ain't moving up there. But God had made a way for me to escape, which he always opens the door and we, we bypass it. So now I'm calling them like, look, my aunt's them in church and I know they work. They going to hold me accountable. I called them. Said, okay, I moved up to Miami to St. Louis. I'm working at the labor ready, temp service, making six, seven dollars an hour. I was dating the pastor's daughter, not even thinking about crime. My pastor's daughter started having dreams. I went back to prison. I'm like, what you having? I ain't even thinking about crime. She had four dreams where I went back to prison. One of the dreams, she said I went to a boot camp, then I found out prison was my spiritual boot camp. So I'm like, you crazy. Four days, 2004. Four days after Valentine's Day, 6 a.m., I'm laying on the bed. Uh, one, foot, one, one foot off, one foot on. If you mm -hmm. ever heard a U.S. Marshal serve a warrant, they'll wake you up out of coma. I jumped up. I went down there. The door was already open. The U.S. Marshal standing at the door. They said, Mr. Foreman, we have a warrant for your arrest. Took me a handcuff. He put me in the car. Turned around and said, you were let out of prison erroneously by mistake. Wow. So now. And how long were you out at that time? Uh, I did 30 months. I was free for 30 months. Changed my life, relocated, about to be the deacon in the church, dating the pastor's daughter, working the hardest <laughs> wow. job. Ain't even thinking about crime. So now I'm riding in this car. I ain't thinking about what the feds saying. I'm looking at this God I believe in. Is you an Indian giver? How can I change my life and do what I'm supposed mm -hmm. to? And you, I'd rather have what we call carry 12 judge and jury on the street. Let's shoot it out. I ain't going back in there. Take me back in there. I'm sitting on the bed in there crying, man, just gone. I ain't got no family. My mom and dad going on. I can't believe in God. I'm suicidal. An older guy came up to me again. That's why I tell people, you have to accept the help that God sends. You might not like the package, but he's always sending help. Man comes up to me while I'm in my cell. Man, God told me to talk to you. You got this glow on you called. I, I, I could have looked up and said, Negro, I don't want to hear nothing you got to say about God. But for some reason, I stayed focused and I said, man, whatever. Man, I started going to the class, started building up. I usually show it. I got like 30-some certificates this thick. Uh, I was bettering myself. I was voted prisoner most likely of the month, most likely to succeed. They have awards like that. And I tell yeah. people, while you're waiting on your answer, how are you occupying yourself? How are you showing God that what you're acting for, you deserve it or you want it? I start bettering myself. He filed an appeal. Four years later, I ended up winning an appeal. 
And they wanted me to do the whole nine and a half years. They said, we didn't agree to the state time. You got to do all this time. They didn't even want to give me the time I did. So yeah. anyway, end up, I ended up winning the appeal. So I did four and a half years, three years on the streets, and four more years. I did eight and a half years altogether. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And I, and I have yeah. people ask me, Reggie, would you have done it like that again or done the straight, the straight nine and a half years? And I can't answer that. I know that three years of freedom helped me, but to go back in was hard. But at the same yeah. time, I never know. The only thing I, I remember, one of my bro everybody was like, well, you started a business, you did all that's cool. One guy came to me and said, man, what I respect is you're not walking around bitter. I, I don't see it. And, you and hating. I, Go ahead. No, no, no. And, and I was going to say, I, you know, when I, when I first met you back in August, it was just like when, when you said what, ha what happened, it was just like that was what the first thought that popped up. Like, you're not angry. You're not mad. How, and I, you know, I know your faith and, and spirituality played a that's huge it. part. That's and it. Forgive, I, I can't that's, name that's nothing else. Reason. If it wasn't for that out-of-the-body belief, man, I'd have been hating police. I'd have been hating white people. I'd have been hating the government. And that stuff would be still sitting in me. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. If You know what helped me the most, though? Um, on my CBN documentary, I was in the cell. I had went to trial. The judge coerced the jury. It's a real movie. I've already got film producer asking to turn my life story into a movie. But he coerced the jury. I get illegally sentenced. They bring me back in. I was cursing God out. I, I really was. That's why I tell people God accepts you where you are. I was like, where the F were you when my mother was beating me? Where were you when these dudes was chasing me home, jumping me? Where were you when I was hungry, just having it out, throwing stuff in the cell? And I remember releasing it. And I remember him saying to me, I have a purpose for it all. Mm. That's what helped me understand. The, in the biblical, in the Bible, Joseph was a person that was thrown in and sold into slavery by his brothers and done wrong because he was a dreamer. At the end of it, when he was raised next to the king, Joseph, he said, what man meant for evil, God meant for good. I'm in the place that God wanted me at. Oh, man, that thing helped me. It hurt me at first. I'm like, God, you had to take me through all this? No, it's stuff I did, but I wouldn't be traveling, helping people doing what I do now if it wasn't for what I went through. I yeah. wouldn't be this yeah. strong. Yeah, no, listen, I, I completely agree. I mean, I've I've had a I don't even want to say a similar experience, right? But we talk about, you know, the trauma and the trials and tribulations that impact our life. Just so for people that know me and have seen me speak, they know that back in two thousand and I guess it was two thousand and three, um, I had an argument with a school police officer when I was in college. I ended mm -hmm. up getting uh, you know, and arguing with police is going to be a pr problematic for you, right? Especially Period, I right. went to a school mm -hmm. called Bloomsburg. It was a rural town where the average age was about probably in their 50s, 50-year-old white people and older. And so I Whoa. got into this argument and, you know, I said, listen, I'm going to beat you up over a cup of soda, right? I told you I'm going to punch you in your face, X, Y, and Z, take your gun off. But what happened was that was me expressing my hurt, expressing my pain and frustration because I didn't have the, the verbiage needed to say, listen, uh, I feel like I'm being racially profiled, which people agree that I was. Um, but what happened was I ended up getting kicked out of school. I ended up getting arrested. Right. I ended up mm -hmm, having to do mm -hmm, only had to mm -hmm. do 48 hours in jail. So I can only imagine what four years in, then leaving <laughs> for, for almost three years and then going back for four years would do. Right. That 48 hours was enough for me. Especially and I, in your mind when you've done right. The hardest thing yeah. is just like being married to a woman. You take care of her. You bless, you bless her. And men, they say men cheat. You know, you honor her. And then you find out she cheat. 
man, that's what make a man want to, a black man, of course, want to kill everybody because you're doing yeah. right. So that was the hardest point. I'm going back in here and I was changing my life. That's what hurt yeah. the most. Yeah. And, and you know, just to, to finish that up, um, you know, that was probably about, it, it started off as misdemeanors. I had probably about 20 misdemeanors, right? Mm -hmm. And I knew if I would have went to, I took the plea deal because I knew if I would have went to trial, I wasn't going to get a jury of my peers, nobody that looked like. Not in that town uh, you're but, talking about. Yeah, <laughs> no, not at all. But but what I always tell people is, and the reason why I tell that story is because that was one of the most pivotal points in my life, right? I recognized that the way that I was coping, the anger that I used, and the way that I that I expressed myself, it was unhealthy. It might lead me in a place to where I didn't want to be, and it led me there, right? And so I just had a reminder of that yesterday. So that was, mm. what, 16 years ago. I, fi I finally filled out the information for to get it expunged, right? They say, listen, mm. if you've had seven years of no issues or what have you, so I, I finally filled out the paperwork, attached my criminal history. And so because when I was going to jobs, I would have to explain why, you know, why I have to check off, have you ever been convicted of a crime? Right. Yeah. And so yeah. I finally mailed it off. I got it back in the mail yesterday and it said I have to pay a hundred and seventy two dollar filing fee. And I literally sat there and tears started to come down. Right. Mm. Because I'm just like, here I am trying to push myself forward. I've, I've, I've done what I needed to do. Right. As far as as far as learning how to cope, learning how to deal with my emotions However, this incident that during that one period of that unhealthy decision, it impacts us. And that's why, you know, I tell that story. But again, it can be transformative if we use it right. Right. And so when I uh, let's see, hopefully it come back on. We there. All right, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah I got you. I got Wait. you. You know, it, it's tra it's transformative when you go through these things and you make it out to the other side. Right. So when I see people, when I go ahead. No, I was thinking about what you were saying and just to tell on myself. The biggest problem is, as I see what I, especially African-American men and Latino too, you're raised around anger. You're raised around defending yourself. You're raised around violence. My temper got me in a lot of mess. Yeah. I've messed up friendships. I've messed up fights because my hot temper, my mother was violent. But at the same time, like you said with the police, we all react that way. It, it, and, and becoming a Christian, trying to be humble, I had to get counseling and the Bible. Some people think it's just spirituality. No. And one and of my sisters in Christ. On that. Yeah, I was going to say, one of my sisters in Christ told me, she said, Reggie, I had to go take counseling for something I went through in my life to peel back the layers. And I had to understand that because it's an insecurity and a bullying still down in me. So when somebody even, man, I used to swing on people for looking at me wrong. So I know when they talk to me disrespectful, and I'm like, that's still here at 43, and I'm this businessman. I still have to, I'm, it ain't the same, y'all. I ain't swinging on nobody. But at the same time, you can still feel it rise. There's two things I know. You, you're you going to have a, 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 a desire for the up. It's a different world now, but for sex. And you're going to have, you can't, I just politic what people like. But also, no, no, you, you can't really get rid of your anger. You can control it. Because there's righteous anger for people molested, doing people wrong. You're going to have anger. But when somebody, you can always stay in the spirit of offense. You got to find out down your line what makes me get so when people lie to me, do me wrong, turn it back. It's still an anger there from how I was raised. And, the, and I went to this class, the spiritual class, and they showed me you way back there still dealing with that. It showed uh, up, popped up. And I'm like, yo, 
I, but do you? Yeah. I got to get this healed because I, not just for work, I can be like, there's a lot of successful multi-millionaires that are mean as I don't know what. You wouldn't even want to do business with them. So I could be financially successful. I probably could still go on the pearly gates with an attitude. But I don't have peace that way. They used to pick at me, bro, be playing basketball. My homeboys be like, watch this. Hey, boy, Reggie, you suck. You sorry I dropped the ball ready to fight. They're like, look. So they, I had that. Been at a gas station, and one of my friends said they seen somebody arguing. They said, that was Reggie over there. They'd have been fighting by now. And to look back at that, you can't control your own wall. This is a scripture about that. You have no defense because everything that pricks you makes you angry. You don't nobody mm -hmm. want to be around nobody like that all the time. So I understand what nice. you're saying, and that's what we fell in at. We're always quick to answer that answer with anger because of what we come. You have to get healing, you have to get counseling for that issues yeah. that are down deep. No, that's that's real. And, and what you're saying is you recognize you had to recognize what your triggers are. And I let people know that, Oof. you know, your, your triggers are going to be your triggers. They never just go away. Right. Mm -hmm. They never just go away. You just learn how to deal with them. And so when we mm -hmm. talk about emotions, mm -hmm. people people always ask me, Phil, are you happy? And for some people, they would they want to say that, yes, I'm happy, which is a, which is a beautiful thing. But for me, if somebody asks, am I happy? I say, well, my goal isn't to be happy, right? My goal is to be able to experience every emotion fully, right? I want to be able to sit with every emotion. So when happiness comes, I want to be able to appreciate it. When sadness comes, I want to be able to know how to deal with it. When anger comes, because they're all going to come, right? So you experience, you come. know how to handle it. Okay. So if you, if you recognize... Uh, recognize what your okay. triggers are. If you uh, if you allow yourself to just take a moment and feel things, right? See where we are now in society, where we we don't feel comfortable being alone, right? I made a post about this. Oh, I might repost man. it tomorrow. But mm -hmm. you know, if our phone go down, if our phone get cut off, whew, we're gonna figure out a way to get our phone cut back on, right? Because imagine having to go a day without our phone and not be and have to be with ourselves. We're just not comfortable. And I'm, I'm a prime example. Sometimes I wake up in the morning, the first thing I pick up is the phone, right? But I'm learning how to implement time throughout the day where I can just be in my thoughts, where I can just, just be silent when I can feel. So a lot of people, you know, we learn how to cope when that anger comes up. We need to get, we need to, to express it some way mm -hmm. instead of because it's there's another way to deal with it, right? Instead of yeah, the person. Yeah, yeah. It's uncomfortable. You know, who wants to, mm -hmm. you know, somebody's talking about you. It's uncomfortable to allow those feelings to sit there. And so we lash out, right? But if we're able to sit through these feelings that we're experiencing, that doesn't mean just sit and take it. That might mean removing ourselves from the setting, right? But again, when right. we talk about being black men or just men in general um, and masculinity, we have to, we have to prove ourselves. I have to prove that I'm a man, right? right cause, in these, cause in these situations. Yeah, my hardest point, and I've seen it lately and still battling with it, is um, being able to talk soft when somebody's aggressive at me. Oh, it's okay. It's cool. I battle in, not that I can't do it, but I find myself battling in me that I think I'm a punk or I think I'm weak. So you're doing me wrong and I'm trying to talk humble. It still bothers me. Much as I'd have been in this word and teaching everything, it's like, I'm feeling still that I'm looked at like you can run over me instead of understanding that it's strength, it's strength in being humble. You're not weak. Like they always say in the Bible thing, Jesus is one of the strongest men we know of red. But at the same time, for me, I still backlash to when, when I was getting bullied and it still pops up. That's why you have people 
who are in mm -hmm. professional settings who are bosses or CEOs that they're mean or strong. I don't know what, because they were bullied. They're, they're yeah. control freaks. They have these, this is where it's going to be. And so I have to rechannel myself and realize that, man, I still have a problem in this setting of the situation talking soft when I know someone just came at me. You this and cursing me out. I'm like, who you? Now, I'm glad I'm not at the level of swinging first. But like you said, yeah. I have to walk off sometime. Yeah. I, I can't yeah. stand there while you spitting and talking. No, not me. I got to get out the room. Yeah. And so sometimes, but then sometimes there are practicing of things I've learned to think and showing, okay, this person has an issue. They, it ain't about you. It ain't nothing to do with you. If I can catch myself and go through the thoughts I've been taught, sometimes that diffuses it. You're still blessed. They can't stop nothing. It's certain things. Yeah. What I'm saying is like yeah, affirmation. Yeah, I that begin to think. And, it, and it, it'll diffuse it. But most of the time, it depending on the level of the aggression of the other person. And I try to help people, especially from the hood. Man, listen, if you swing, what are the accountabilities? When I was in prison and I was the one doing the counseling with dudes and I was helping them, I would tell them, I said, man, every time you turn around, you go into the hole of the shoe. You ain't going to see your kids. You ain't going to get no visits. So you need to put your kids up and see you want to see your son. That has to be that you not know. I know what we got to assert in this joint, what we got to do. But you got to be able to have something else to look forward to that you don't give up on it. You don't, you don't knock this dude out because he stepped on your shoe. One thing we don't like in prison, somebody sweeping your feet with a broom, crazy stuff like that. You'll get half killed for mm -hmm. that. But what is you, for what? Manhood yeah. and pride and respect is the hardest things coming out of our community. Facts, facts. And, and just to briefly touch on two points that you made, uh, one, we coping is a learned behavior, right? And I heard mm -hmm. you say that, I heard you say that your mom was by My mom could curse somebody out with the best of them, right? She always laughs when I say that, right? She's like, that, I know I taught you something else besides cursing. I said, mom, <laughs> but I learned that from you, right? I, I learned what I saw. And so we have right. to be mindful of that, that we learn how to cope, right? You saw violence and that's what you internalize, right? And, and, and it showed itself. The other point was that you hit on that you hit on was the fact that a lot of times when we're in uncomfortable situations, it's not the 35 year old. It's not the 40 year old that's responding. It's the 12 year old. It's the Man, 16 year old person responding. And so when, and so when we're responding in that way, um, yeah, it's going to it's going to lead to unhealthy situations. And so what I always you know, encourage people to do, especially brothers. Uh, listen, you know that's going to pop up, right? Mm -hmm. I know it's going to pop up when when I'm feeling uncomfortable when somebody says something. Because it's not me. 35-year-old Phil, he going to handle it. He thorough. 12-year-old Phil, he going to get self-conscious. He, he might have low self-esteem. He might right, get sad. Right. Exactly. Right, so I need right. to show him love like, yo, I got it. Right? I understand. I did this on Sunday. I made a video about it where... I was about to go into a, a setting. It was at a bar. I didn't want to drink, right? But I went because I said I was going to go to support some some really dope people. But one of the components was I was about to go in a social environment where I knew nobody, right? I knew mm -hmm. nobody. Mm -hmm. And so the shy, self-conscious feel started to come up, right? And I had to sit there, like you said, I had to sit there and remind myself, like, listen, you don't need a drink to go out, to go in there and be able to engage people. Right. You have the skills necessary to deal with whatever setting. So and that's what I hear you say when you say, listen, when somebody comes up and I'm like, you know what? Um, you know, I have empathy for them. Right. When I'm talking to these young brothers, because I was there, I, I can see a little bit further than they can see. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's that's mm -hmm. critical, especially in our interactions. And I think that's what allows 
people like you and I to really have even a longer reach, right? Because mm -hmm. we can see past. We're not just we're not just seeing what's on the surface. We understand. So when you go talk to the young brothers in the hood, uh, or no matter where you go, you're mm -hmm. able to see something further. When I'm sitting there talking to the twelve year old, or it was a big big young boy, I was like, Dad, he remind me of me. He came in like, Shh, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. And I hear the teachers yelling at them, and they just happen to be white teachers. Yo, see that? I said, young fella. I said, young fella, young fella, come here, man, come here. Like, you don't want to be here. Why you don't want man, I just don't feel like it. I was like, man, listen, I get it. If I was your age, I wouldn't want to be here either, right? Mm -hmm. But listen, I got some information I'm going to give you. You might not hear for the rest of your life, right? I'm here because I love you, right? Mm -hmm. So you could be frustrated. Mm -hmm. You could be mad, but I want you to be here. Right. Because I understood because I was I was that person. I saw myself in him. And so, I, again, I think that's why, you know, the reach that we have um, and con just connecting with people. Right. Because right. even even just the authenticity around it, where, you know, you and I both is, it, are able to connect with white folk. Right. Mm -hmm. From a, yeah. a, from an authentic place. Yeah. Right. Where, that's right. Because because we're able to recognize, you know, we recognize the historical trauma that's existed throughout life, but we're still able to judge people for who they are right man, then and there. Man, right? And man. so I can't, you know, I'm not going to hold you to the to the level of your ancestors, right? I respect you as a person. Now I'm going to respect you on the content of your character and how you, you interact with me. If you don't, not saying that you can't be pro-black and not be global, but what I'm called to be is a global person. And I'm called for my spiritual Christian teaching to love everybody. And now you're trying to mix that with the thug dude who don't want people getting over on him. But I have to be frank. My left and right hand are white. My best friend is a female and a white dude. Now, they have interactions with people to understand. My best friend that's white that's a female only date black guys. She knows both flight. My other guy who I came up with, he used to be with the the uh, Mexican mafia being in black games. So they know both sides. But at the same time, when you see us walking up, people see who's supporting me. I didn't plan it that way. I did yeah. not. So yeah. what I'm saying is, like you said, I reach in, God had to show me your story is big. And then when, you, when I'm doing this toy line, I know how, because if I don't, I'm going to be aggressive, Reggie. Because people can get ornery in a black setting or a white setting. They can think that they better, especially, I don't, I get so deep on this, 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 against white people in the struggle. I say, man, when I go in the wrong neighborhood wearing my Victus watch and my outfit, I got to watch out if this young, young brother going to rob me. It's just real, and he look like me. So either way is a terror. We're talking about white and white, but what about my black neighborhood where they don't really treat me like they love me? I'm scared to go over there at night. You talking about KKK. Yeah. What about my brothers with these pistols? So it's yeah. something to understand of the person of being able to, to understand that, like you said, it's... It's not where they came from, who they are. Martin Luther King had white people marching with him. Malcolm X has some, some white Muslims now. So it's a lot of things that then change and understanding that we can't keep doing that. Now, at the same time, of course, I want to see my black people win, these young brothers and everything. But I done did a couple of business people deals with my people, man. I don't want to talk bad about it. I'm just saying <laughs> I done did a couple of business deals with my people, man. And it's just what they've been taught, not the professional. But it's always also sometimes feeling like we competing. Brother, I'm in my yeah, own lane. Yeah. Even if you try to steal my idea, you can't be me. You, you ain't do that yeah. time in the prison. You ain't have a mother that was on drugs. When I go yeah. speak and people cry after I speak, you authentic. That came from my life. I ain't worried about you stealing. It's going to fall apart. But 
Man, I done seen people just compete, compete. I'm like, brother, we, yeah. we, ain't, in the, we ain't in the barrel. Yeah, and, and what it is is it's because when I, you know, again, I always talk about that, that, um, that black enterprise experience and always encourage other brothers to go mm. down there. Because, again, you know, again, this is something that we deal with when we talk about hip hop. Hip hop is driven on competition. And so that's ingrained in me. Right. Even even if it's, it's a billion people in the world, but we often operate from a place of scarcity, like it's not enough. Right. Because especially with social right, media right, and, and right. we might follow, you know, a, a couple hundred a thousand people. So all we see are them. Right. And so that's what we compare ourselves to. And that's our competition. When in reality, it's, it's so much like like what, what was it? Uh, paid in full. Like it's room for everybody. EB. Yeah. And you yeah, know why? Because so everybody has a unique gift. Exactly. Everybody has a gift. Everybody don't like Papa John's. Everybody don't like Pizza Hut. Everybody don't like Coca-Cola. Everybody don't like Pepsi. So when I always tell it, because I've had guys come to me and say, Reggie, I don't want to do fashion. Everybody doing that. But they're not doing it your way. If that's your gift and it makes you happy, and especially you feel a spiritual, whatever connection to it, do it. There's going to be a certain lane that people want you. I teach on that so much. I said, man, when I used to hear yeah, myself I, I feel speak, like brother, I keep it a bean. You talking to me right now, right? Because, like, I, no, I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna keep it real. It's something I've been going through now for about the last is May, about the last five months, right? I started writing my book in December, and I it was just like I stopped. I stopped in a sense, like, why somebody want to hear from me, right? Why does somebody mm. no matter no matter me going to these various places again? talking to people, talking about my story, knowing I have a wealth of information, knowledge, people saying that's dope and real, brother, right? It's still something ingrained in, in us, right? Where, again, it's that comparison and why would somebody want to hear me, right? And so mm. I finally, I finally came to the conclusion uh, that, you know, what? I just got, I have no choice, right? Because I'm going to be more upset by not being the best me, showing me whether... You know, and then again, it goes to this idea of writing a book. We got to be on. We got to be Charlemagne. We got to be common on the New York Times bestsellers list, right? Like, there you like go. somebody, like, like fifteen, like fifteen people in, you know, in in North Philly having my book is not a good thing, right? It's mm -hmm. not a good thing. Even with the podcast, it, it was times. It was a period of time where I stopped recording because I'm seeing the Joe Button podcast getting a million my, hits hey, a week, yeah, I ain't and I'm getting level, like. I'm Keep getting 75. That but I'm like, that damn, that 75 is is amazing. The fact that 75 people want to tune into you, right? So but let's this talk idea about of the time period, though. I have to. I went through that for a while. When I would speak, to me, I would go back and listen to the tape. I sound country and hood. I'm like, I don't even like the way I sound, man. I ain't thinking about the people. Grown people actually cry, came up, want to take a picture like I was a celebrity. I'm not. I'm looking. I'm. I'm I'm measuring myself with the articulate of a Les Brown. E.T. just wow, but, but his power, his strength. We became the coming in comparison of us. Thanks. And so then also I had to learn the Tyler Perry's and the Oprah's. This man was homeless for seven years. This ain't happened overnight. So when you, Phil, start your, your, your show, it takes a season. They didn't start. Anybody that gets it overnight won't hold it long. And so that's when I started yeah. saying, hold yeah. up. Man, I can be just as great because once you find something that people need, that's how I'm doing business. It's a need or a want, you're going to make exactly. money. Let's just be for real. But the timing of growth 
is a blessing for us because we learn how to be strong and be wise during the season. So you got to start off with 75. You start off with too many, you won't know the rough yeah. bump. You got to start off there to keep growing. And that's what is in, is in my other book. I study what helped me so much. You're talking about a dude that was suicidal, slap you in the face with a pistol in a minute, didn't care about life. The reason that I made it was in starting to understand it. I started studying. Oprah was told she was too fat, back, and ugly for TV. Start studying. Even Jim Carrey was homeless when he was in it. I started Will Smith, all of them. They bleed the same blood as me and had worse situations are the same. They're not superhuman. So once yeah. I got in my mind, I had to keep wealth of knowledge. I kept showing myself, Reggie. I always have a story when somebody tell me when I was in prison. How, and I know this, how God was showing me I was going to be successful. I was in prison thinking about my life. Mother was on drugs. She was in prostitution. I, I was shipped from house to house like an orphan, all this. Somebody gave me a Jet magazine. And, and really, when we get the Jet, we're looking for the beauty of the week. That's what we yeah, look for. Yeah, prison. beauty of the week. <laughs> so, <laughs> so when I got the magazine, it was a lady in there that was a prostitute left for dead behind a dumpster. Prostitute left for dead. She got into a 12-step 12 12 program. Cleaned up. Now, like what I said, you got to accept the help that God sent. She didn't have to go through this program. They found her. She went through the program. Ended up back in college. This lady became a 12-figure, six-figure lawyer after being a prostitute mm -hmm. left for dead. So God kept showing me, you, no matter where you're starting at, you have the potential yeah. to be great because yeah. somebody needs you. It's proven. Yeah. So why do we ostracize ourselves and look at these people like they're great? Are you looking at their stories and understand where they came from? They lived hard, terrible, defeated lives before. From the Bishop T.D. J. preachers, he'll tell you, I was homeless, couldn't keep the lights on. I was preaching to the same 40, 20 people in my church for years. People don't hear all that. They look at him who he is, and he did something. No. So what you're saying is, and I encourage you to speak like me, you, brother, I know sure. you got something. I know you got something. But when it comes up, always give yourself time. Breathe. Give yourself time. Like, look. Yeah, and no I, doubt. And, ooh, I'm preaching to myself now because I wanted to be a million overnight. I ain't gonna lie, because I, you know why? I wanted to prove to my family and people who turned their back on me. It wasn't so much of me. I wanted to prove to people that can hurt you. I wanted to prove to them, and so when it don't start working, oh man, I, man, this book ain't. Because I, I was supposed to be having a, a talk show. Somebody wanted to do a TV show around me. I had to cancel it. Now, man, I done posted this. I done said this. Every time I keep going, something else greater happens. And so yeah. it's just a point of, of pressure of you really trying to prove somebody and understand. Somebody wants what you have. And even if it, you can't compare because go compare what they went through is what I'm saying. Understand it took yeah. time. Yeah. No, for sure. For sure. I think a lot of times we operate from a, a shame perspective, right, where it's where and I tell people when we wake up a lot of times we start from a shame perspective where mm. we wake up we might wake up a little bit late and it's just like oh man I'm behind schedule what am I doing and if we go down that rabbit hole of negative self-talk yes. right so yeah. by, by the end of the day we're so mentally drained because we've had so many negative thoughts that we think throughout the day that um, it was a study that showed that we have approximately 50 to 60,000 negative thoughts a day, right? Oh, wow. Some consciously, some unconsciously, because we, we have, I think about over 100,000 thoughts a day. Again, we might just be walking down the street. That's literally a thought, it, you know, when your is. foot that goes true, in man. front of one another. Yeah, so, yeah, you know, so we, we think about the conscious ways that we're the negative self-talk and that we're adding to it. You know, we got to do a better job at it. I have to do a better job at it. And once we get there and we start to recognize 
that you know what? Again, I do have the skill set necessary. I do have the talent. Needed. There you go. And it speak can't, the, and it speak can't what be, you have. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, it, and it can't be about anybody else. When I talk to people about starting therapy, when I went back to therapy, my first session, like when I walked in the, in the room, I just burst out in tears. So it was like a, a weight release, right? And then at the end of it, she was like, Phil, you think you're going to come back? And I was like, yeah, you know, my daughter could benefit from it. Um, you know, my family could benefit from it. And she was like, well, what about you? Well, what about you? It was, right. It's like, it's like me. But again, when we start things, yes, it may start for somebody else. But if it doesn't end about being about us, then it's no way it's going to be yeah, successful. Yeah. Yeah, There's no way yeah, it's going to yeah. be successful. Um, yeah. Get into this, this last point, because I think we touched on a, a lot of good things. And so I, I want to get into, especially you being an entrepreneur, and mm -hmm. how are you coping, right? How do you cope with the highs and with the lows? Outside, because mm -hmm. we know, you know, through this conversation that faith and spirituality has played a big part. But what other things do you do to, to cope? Um, I keep accountability partners around me. And, and like I said, people I can talk. You gotta, you, you, men especially, we can't do this on our own. Yeah. You, you, you need someone to talk to. And like I said, and one of my biggest things, like I said, I love success stories. I love watching and learning how they fell and got back up. I love how hearing how people didn't start till they forty. I, it, it, it gives me strength. Um, and 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 that's one of my biggest things besides faith. You know what I mean? I go to the movies. I relieve stress out of my movie, man. I love mm -hmm. movies, all that type of stuff. Yeah. But count, keeping a, you, there's a saying: you show me your, you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. If you don't have the right core around you who can speak and correct you, don't be your yes man. You're in trouble. So I keep accountability, and I always watch other people. I, I when I can, I can go and turn on some. I have this thing I do when I speak. Like you said, it was so powerful about negative. I sit down in between two people, and I'm like, listen. I'll do an example, and I'm like, you be the negative, you be the uh, positive. I'm like, you just heard this big black dude named Reggie say you can be strong, you can be powerful. He came from prison, mothers on drugs, he's been on TV, all that. And then and you start getting hype. And then the negative will speak, well, man, you ain't him. Your mother was this. Then the positive will say, but God can do it. And what happens, I show them the negative will always get louder. It always gets louder. It's so I always tell people, I got this thing, I say, change the channel. So because sometimes you can't battle in your mind. What change the channel mean? I'll turn on Les Brown. I'll turn on Joe Osteen. I'll turn on uh 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 um uh what's his name? Uh Eric Thomas or it's another guy, a big tall white guy is a big powerful speaker. I'll turn them on so what's coming in, I can't hear nothing but that. I don't have time to battle the negative. And if you can't get to a phone or a computer, then I'm saying you have to be able to re have a wall built up, which meaning is when you're in your spare time doing nothing, keep reading your affirmations because what you're doing is building yourself up for tomorrow because tomorrow going to bring another thing. Something's yeah, going yeah. to happen. It's just earth. But when you've built, I call it keep your spiritual and your mental tank full. When you're going on a journey, I ask the audience, what do you first do? You put gas in the car. So you're on a, a life journey. You can't take on this world half empty. So what I tell people, when, when something happens to me immediately, I pray immediately because if not, I wait two, three days and it's bouncing off the wall. You have to attack it immediately and keep your wall built up for your defense because this is life, especially with my record and where I'm coming from. And looking around, I don't have mom and pops to call for help. And so yeah. I have to believe in God for me, and I have to keep myself built up with things that combat the negative. Oh, Reggie, you ain't going to make it. Your mama's on drugs. But what about that woman that was a prostitute left behind for dumps and became a lawyer? What about when they told Oprah?
I done got so hyped, I done snatched the phone out. I know, I'm about to say, so, <laughs> somebody done got you. <laughs> Hold on, let me get these. All right, we at the end. Let me just hold it. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, I can. All right, so what I'm saying is I've read so many stories and, and video podcasts that something automatically pops up when a negative comes. The only way I get so weak is when I fight it. You get what I'm saying? But yeah, but I've yeah. been waiting months and it. I built myself so, up with energy to, to battle. Yeah, we got we got 20 seconds left, Raj. Plug your plug your stuff. What you got going on? And how can mean, they get in contact with you? Instagram is Reginald underscore Foreman. My website is www. What is my name? ReginaldForeman.com. I just let's talk about this man. My toy line, Reggie line. He speaks positive. You can't hear him. He speaks positive affirmation to kids that you're smart. What he is is help people believe in themselves, their dreams, and God. And why this is so more important to me. I'm an African-American ex-offender ex creating a toy line. The only thing if you look up we're known for is the super soaker. You got black kids that have done a couple of books and a couple of dolls. Mm -hmm. But this guy, man, the people that are coming to me, is, I call them the faith-based Mickey Mouse. I'll show them again. And why is it so important? Well, he could, this is the prototype right now. When you squeeze him, he speaks. Man, God, I, I'm doing an app. I'm doing a coloring book. I'm doing everything that Mickey Mouse did, cartoon, everything, yeah. from me and the ex-offender. And this is going to give the kids hope. He's going to speak five different languages, uh, French, Spanish, everywhere. So when the kids here in the other foreign countries, they can believe they're strong, they're smart, believe in God, they believe in their dreams. Because from the toddler to the two-year-old, they run around, whatever they hear, they become. So that's why he's going to be combated in. But I'm so proud of that. But to, to expound on the end of it, my book, There's Purpose in Your Pain, that came yeah, out. Go ahead, show it again. Me. Show it again. Uh, show the book again. Yeah, show both there's books. There's Purpose in Your Pain. It's my new book. But what, what helps that and live determined, what helps this is, I have to tell people, each one of my projects or accomplishments came after pain, illegally sentenced in prison. I lost a fashion magazine deal. My, I had twins. Me and my wife then were pregnant twins, and our girl daughter died at 15 weeks. And that's how Reggie the Lion came to life because I was like, God, what? Man, Say that. Least, I'm sorry. I'm still it went out. Yeah, it went out, Me and my daughter were pregnant with twins. And, um, you know, you we and had a daughter? boy and a girl. No, me and my wife. What am I saying? Me and my wife were pregnant. Okay. We're going to edit that out, too. I know. Yeah, me and, my wife. <laughs> me and my wife were pregnant with twins, and my daughter died at 15 weeks. Oh, wow. And yeah, yeah. Wow. We, my son made it. He was born premature at two pounds, one ounce. And um, he's a healthy, beautiful baby boy. But it was so hard then because my wife couldn't believe why God would let this happen. And then all the stuff I've been through, I'm like, everybody's celebrating. You got twins. Man, they were crying like, man, we love y'all's story. And then I uh, came from my, my event. I was doing 21 Days of Greatness, my own events. Three days after the event, I'm in the house. I heard my wife scream. I go upstairs. She's standing over a puddle of water. And so we're, I'm big faith. Man, there ain't no way God should let my daughter die. There's no way. Or a child die because I didn't know then what it was. Now, there's no way God would let it happen. She was like, maybe I peed on myself because she has fibroids, growth in here that caused pressure on her uterus. Mm -hmm. And so we said, yeah, she took a shower, laid down. An hour later, I heard a harder screech. I went upstairs. She was sitting on the edge of the steps. She said, look, she was trembling. I looked. It was two feet coming out of her vagina. And I said, oh, my gosh. She said, I've never seen no fear in your eyes like that. Ran to the hospital and found out, yes, your daughter came early. She died. And so I uh, went through a lot of travesty with that. And I went, I, I had to be strong for her. And I had to encourage her because she was done with the Bible, done with God and all that. I had to encourage her. And I said, listen, you have another child in you. You need to be strong for him. That's the only way she kept going 
was because it was our little boy. And he came early, 27 weeks, and um, he was in the hospital 75 days. So after encouraging them, I sat down with God. I said, now we got to talk. I said, I don't understand this from all I've been through. Why would you, what good does it come out of you allowing my daughter to die? I know you didn't kill her, but you could have saved her. We have this real talk. And all I was remembering was this purpose in your pain. And what came to my mind was mad, the Mothers Against Drunk Driving. When this woman started an organization after her do uh, daughter was killed by a drunk driver at 13. And see, Reggie the Lion used to be a, a, a cartoon on, on the front of my shirts for my kids like uh, Ralph Lauren did Polo Bear. And I started having mm -hmm. visions, brother, of him becoming a doll, a toy. Just started hitting me, like him speaking and everything. I was like, what? And then I started writing. I was at my side job writing the movie script, writing the cartoon. It was flowing like water. So that's how I told me. That's how I know when God is speaking to me because I don't have the gifts. It just starts flowing. I write stuff down. I done sat down with event help. I done sat down who did the George Foreman Grill. Of course, they wanted 20% of my company, 16000 up front to go in their data banks. I said, y'all trying to rape me with no Vaseline. Y'all lost y'all mind. That ain't going to happen. <laughs> Yeah, I was straight. So it's a big thing. But like I said, again, I, I share this because what are you doing with your pain? There's purpose in it. Many organizations of people successfully made it because they they were pushed by what they came out of. Somebody needs to hear your story. There's an invention in you from what you went through. People who didn't have lights, they created the light bulb. They didn't couldn't get on the phone. They created the telephone. What you're going through can become a product. And that's what I teach in my business. There's purpose in your pain. ReginaldForman.com. <laughs> My man, my man. Well, Reg, listen, man, I appreciate you. Hopefully I see you at the – are you going this year? Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking event? about it, man. Hey, I'm, I'm kind of – we had to talk off, but I'm kind of – I ain't been seeing them pushing it like last year. I'm kind of like, what's happening? Yeah. Me and, yeah. Me and um, um, Frank, you know, was talking last – we talking yesterday on the phone with, you know, Frank that won the award, my bro, little bro. Yeah, yeah, and I yeah. was like, yo, I only seen one pup pushing April 9th. They ain't pushing it, so I don't know. You know, I, I'm trying to see if I'm going. I, I got the ticket for being from Nashville, and I'm trying to see if I'm going to fork that money over with the plane and, and, the, and the hotel. I'm trying to see if it makes sense because I definitely got a lot going on, <laughs> man. Yeah, I got I a lot it. going on with traveling and stuff, so I, I'm still thinking is my last my, my, uh, answer. All right, well, I appreciate you, man. We'll definitely be in contact. Yeah, man, finally we got it on, man. We finally, People don't understand how long <laughs> this was, man. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> but it was good, man. Man, I encourage you, bro. You're doing a good thing. I like the way you articulate yourself. I like the way you can touch on different topics. That's what make a good interviewer. Man, you're doing a great job. I've been on in 40. That, that, that other paper said 28. That was an old one. I did change it. I've been on 41 interviews. Sometimes I got to feed them. You're doing, you're doing good yeah. questions. It's a good dialogue. So what I'm saying is, bro, you're needed. You're doing a good job, which is a good interviewer. And I can tell you from how many I've been on. And so from what you know and the knowledge of being able to touch on mental health, you definitely got some because that's what's in right now. People, yeah. they told yeah. me I'm the poster child for mental health because of what I've overcame. Reggie, you're going to get paid all this to speak. But I know that's where you are. So what I'm saying is, again, to empower you, you are needed right now. Your book is right now. Things happen in seasons. Bro, don't wait. Write your book now because that's the wave right now. Not just jumping on the wave, but you don't understand what I'm saying. Helping our, our black men understand that they... Man, we don't want to go see no counselor. You can be able yeah. to prove that that's needed. Man, man I'm not going to sit up and talk to no, especially not no white person, so we all go through that in our head. But, brother, you're showing that you can be masculine and still get counseling and get help. So what I'm saying is the book you write, the talks you do, you definitely need it. Don't get it twisted. All right, brother. I right, Listen, I'm taking that, and I appreciate you for real. Much love to you, brother. Man, God bless. Appreciate you, man. And, hey, man, we'll talk again later.
All right, peace. All right.